Yo, what's up, people? I just wanted to say before I start episode 36, I wanted to take this time um, to thank you, uh, thank my advent listeners um, for tuning in to the glory in our stories every other weekend. I really appreciate it. Um, I wouldn't be doing this without your support. For those of you who are probably listening to this for the first time, this is uh, the podcast, The Glory in Our Stories. Um, Extraordinary stories pertaining to everyday people. Um, If you want, uh, you can look this up on Facebook. Um, It's actually... Um, it's two groups. It's one that I initially started, but I was like, no, nah, I want to uh, do something different. So if you do look up the glory in our stories, the group that you probably want to be attached to is the one. It says the glory in our stories. And it's it's a picture of a young lady uh, looking out into the ocean and she has like a pink uh, scarf on her head and her, and you can't see her face, obviously. But I just wanted to uh, create a space where people can uh, check out the latest episodes whenever they um, have the freedom to do so. So not going to drag out this intro, but I just wanted to thank everyone for listening, taking everyone for sharing so far, 36 different stories, um, give or take 34, maybe two episodes where I didn't um, interview anybody, but uh, over 30 something people nonetheless in the past year. Um, I actually had the opportunity to dissect their experience. So without further ado, I um, guess we'll get back to our scheduled programming. Y'all have a good one. As I always say, love each other, but most importantly, love yourself. Welcome to the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Christina Berkshire. As I always say, uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is episode 36 of the glory in our stories i am here with uh chris berkshire is that right um i've i think i've known you for a while because the first time i saw your hair was a lot longer yeah (laughs) yeah it's changed quite a bit thank you for having me um and thank you for coming I, i really appreciate it um what really intrigued me about chris was your awesome ability um, with hula hooping, which I know has a, a different term. Uh, my mom always prides herself as being very good when it comes oh, to hula hooping. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> so whenever she would, they would like have contests at school because mm-hmm. she used to be an educator, um, and they had hula hoop contests that she would always win. And she's, um, I'm not gonna tell her age, but um, she's 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 getting up there. And, but she's still pretty good. And I I would try to hula hoop maybe for a minute, and I can't. Yeah. I don't know what, <laughs> what it is, what I'm doing. And um, but seeing your video footage and seeing what you do live, 
and to do that effortlessly, <laughs> to me that always amazes me because I'm not sure if it takes concentration or it's just something that comes natural. No, definitely not natural. It's a lot of work, actually. <laughs> and that's and that's what that's what I would like to find more about, as well as who you are and what you represent. Um, but first of all, as far as uh, I guess I start from the beginning, like your childhood, like the, were you born here in Augusta or? No, I'm a transplant. Um, I grew up. Uh, well, I was born in Louisiana, so I'm technically from the South, but I only lived there for about three years. Mm -hmm. Um, Moved up to Washington State, uh, Western Washington, and just my dad moving around with jobs and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Grew up most of my life there, and about 10 years, 11 years ago is when I moved back down to Augusta to be back in the South. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I I moved down uh, 10 years ago, and it's kind of like returning back to the South, but uh, having grown up in Washington State, it was a little bit of a culture shock, but I'm getting <laughs> used to it, so it's, it's been fun. you have a preference between the South? And, um, well, weather, I would prefer Washington State, Western Washington State, mm-hmm. um, but as far as people and friendliness goes, it, you can't beat Augusta. No. <laughs> I, have an, um, I have family in Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana, and I think I've I've been. I visited one summer. Um, I think it was. It was very damp down there. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> very damp, and um, it was fun. I think I was 15 when I went, but I went a couple of years ago. Um, but Washington, all the way up there, that's pretty. Um, it's a huge difference as far as like landscape and other obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. But um, but as far as how was uh how was your schooling like where did how was that experience like I always enjoy hearing people's perspective on their like the middle school and high school experience yeah yeah um so Washington's a little more uh, I guess a little more liberal uh, than down here so it was I could see it being a lot different uh, than experience growing up in Augusta but um you know we went uh, you know, preschool through sixth grade is the schooling, and then we moved to junior high. It's not quite middle school. That's seventh or ninth grade mm-hmm. and high school. Um, but I had a good time with my friends. We were pretty nerdy, so <laughs> uh, we were like the Harry Potter nerds that would wear capes to school and stuff. That was my middle school experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this um, this society of nerdy no society of intelligent nerdy girls. It, the acronym was Sing. Oh, wow. uh, we That's even had cool. our own little forum that we had online. It was about ten of us, uh, so that was like really fun. We had a, even had a clubhouse. Uh, one of our dads had cleared out a shed, and he actually mo- had moved out. So we were like, we're taking it over. <laughs> so <laughs> we we got out. We got all of the um, Christmas lights and no boys allowed sign everything. Uh, that was a really fun time in my life, uh, just kind of being our nerdy selves and like kind of having fun. Uh, always interested in you know like visual arts during that time. Uh, not so much on the the dance or physical kind of mm-hmm. arts. Uh, no, not much to be said for like musical ability. Uh, but I was drawing all the time, and I was kind of like the the quote unquote arts artist of the group um, where we had you know people would focus on there was a musician and there was the the girl that was really interested in biology and there was one that was really interested in uh, 
like she was even a composer and I was the one that drew so that's kind of my role in that group um, so we were just having fun uh, through middle school um, and you know we kind of had to split up a little bit our high schools we got sent different places like yeah. we were all together for, for junior high and then we got kind of like sent to around the town because uh, I, I moved away uh, in the same town, but kind of a moved wave to a different high school. Mm-hmm. So I got to know a di- little different crowd there. Um, and through all of that, uh, my parents were getting a divorce. Oh, so wow. yeah, it was, it was like middle school was like all about friends mm-hmm. and then high school I had to get kind of in my head a little bit and, you know, go through all these emotions. And, um, we, I went to one high school, my sophomore year, which was be my first year in high school. We didn't do the freshman thing. Yeah. Um, then another high school after that. And then my senior year, I was like four hours away from anybody I knew. Um, so that was a little bit, a little bit hard. Uh, but I did get to know new people and it kind of like got me out of my shell a little bit before I went to college. So yeah, so that was my, my schooling experience. Uh, again, through all of that, I was really interested in the visual arts. Mm-hmm. Um, thought I was going to go to college for, um, you know, graphic design and uh, dancing wasn't even on my radar at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I hated PE. <laughs> it was my worst thing. I even was able to get out of PE by claiming that my uh, my senior project was a photography project. And it kind of turned into that, like the, the fib about getting out of class, like turned into a real project. Um, so like that I was able to, yeah, that worked out. It ended up not being a lie in the end, but anything to avoid aerobics. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Like just kind of moving around and it was different. Like I thought it was going to be one thing growing up. Like my family was all Christian and really like tight knit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, kind of blindsided me at the end. So, um, but I think it prepared me for, for good things, like kind of getting to know people and getting out of like the, the click, you know, kind of reaching out and, and going beyond that. Yeah. I think I experienced that with my friends. It was like five of us, just this was guys. It, we were different. Um, actually one of them experienced, um, his parents going through a divorce at the end of his high school um, career, I think it was like a junior or senior. Yeah, that's right about the time. Yeah. And it was it was it was hitting him pretty hard. Um, he wasn't he was still the same, but it, you can see some minor changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was easy for the rest of us because most of our fathers had already been out of the picture, so that was like nothing new for us. But oh, to actually yeah. see somebody go through that, yeah, you know, and he was a big guy. He's a football player. He's like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, um, 300-some pounds. And to see him crumble, mm. so to speak, it was, I was like, wow. It does hit hard, yeah. Yeah. In unexpected ways, yeah. So, um, but um, as far as going through college and having this experience, what really got you into into dancing? so to speak. Yeah, I was, so before I got into dancing, I still was really into visual arts going through school. Um, I went to a really small college up in um, 
Paul's Bow Washington. Um, and I was planning on being like fine artist, painter, mm-hmm. studio artist, um, kind of anything. And then I reconnected with my now husband. Uh, mm-hmm. We had dated in high school. And um, he started like living with me while I was going to school. And I was looking at kind of the numbers and seeing I can't afford this. Even if I was a really successful artist and I had to figure out a more practical way. And he was said, you know, my brother-in-law has this great job opportunity for me in Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up moving down. It was just so much more affordable to live here. So it kind of made sense to me. It was kind of like spontaneous, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but really, like, I have to tell that story to set it up because really hula hooping came about because I had no friends yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Um, so I feel like if I had moved somewhere where I already knew everybody, I would not have picked up hula hooping like, yeah. at all. Because the way I stumbled upon it was uh, through planning our wedding when AJ like proposed to me. Uh, I found this whole community online of hula hoopers, mm-hmm. and you know I was living through the the videos on YouTube vicariously a little bit. Uh, like, oh, I wish I could do that. You know, I wish I could like be that active. And there's this whole community and uh, websites dedicated to it. Uh, but like if I had had friends going like let's go out, I I wouldn't have gotten into it. So uh, it was really a couple of years that I lived vicariously through these YouTube videos. Like I'll learn how to do that eventually. And I got back into school down here, um, and then finally I was like so bored one summer that I was like I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna learn how to do it. Um, so it's really like. I can credit YouTube and complete boredom for learning, <laughs> for starting to learn how to do it at least. Uh, but then once I got my first hula hoop and started practicing, I was hooked from there. That was about um, 2010. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I've been doing it for eight years now. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, like just getting, just getting the hoop and really starting and just kind of getting over that first hurdle, like that's all I needed. And then it was, it was game on. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, whenever I see people that take an object, whether it's a baseball, basketball, or even a hula hoop, and you do something so well that it looks like it's an actual part of you, <laughs> that's I think that's where the magic comes in. Mm-hmm. And then you're in the back of yourself, man, how, how do I do that? And as a child, it's easy to say, okay, they're doing this, I want to do that, but you overlook the process yeah, that it takes yeah. to perfect that. And... Um, that was young. I think that was a young lady at Augusta University. That was somebody. Else. They would do it a lot, and I'm like, I don't. I just don't. I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> she didn't drop it. It didn't. She didn't do some unorthodox movement. It just it, everything was organic. And for your for your mind to be that quick. And I, I guess, is, is this muscle memory involved, or how does that Lots. work? Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you might be talking about Maggie Brown. It probably is. Uh, she, she's awesome. I love her. Um, but I would see her doing videos all over campus. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I have to know all the Hoopers in town. Yeah. Um, I love meeting everybody. But, yeah, uh, so hula hooping, hoop dance, uh, is part of what's called flow arts, mm-hmm. uh, which is also kind of a subset I'm gonna get nerdy for a second it's a subset of juggling okay um, 
and jugglers would probably look down on that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, there's like this whole community. Uh, they're all, all their crazy quirks, but uh, we call it like object manipulation or flow arts uh, mm-hmm. because you're literally doing that. Uh, but it's also called flow arts because you kind of get into a flow with it. Yeah. And the object of it is not to, you know, do the most crazy trick or like, I can do a headstand and a foot. People can do that. Yeah. But for me, it's more like, can I flow from one move to the next? So in order to make that smooth, you have to do it so many times and really like drill the moves in order to, you know, incorporate it into your flow. Like hoopers always have this idea like what's my flow like what's my style and mm-hmm. uh, they're really like they're really pursuing just the smooth transition between all of the moves yeah so success for me is if I can just make it look effortless so. <laughs> <laughs> but I, lots of work for it so I guess it's like uh similar to break dancing like yeah yeah I've, I've what what I guess what really amazes me is that like when they get out when they're having competitions maybe like they may have like a two or three minute set and to go from one thing to the next but to make it look so fluid Mm -hmm. as if they planned it but most of the time obviously you don't it's just like you admit yeah Yeah. so okay i'm I'm gonna gonna do this so you just transition into that and it just it creates this this um fluidity that it it looks kind of creepy but in a good way yeah yeah (laughs) like how, how can you possibly do this without probably thinking, well, am I going to mess up or Mm. something's going to go wrong? Oh, there's lots of times you mess up. Don't (laughs) worry. There's outtakes that I have in my videos that's, like, hitting me in the face or I've dropped (laughs) it or, like, I think at the end of my most recent video, the hoop went flying off and that happens. (laughs) If I'm doing a stage show, I'll try to, like, get the moves down enough that, yeah, I won't do that. But if I'm kind of improving in the moment, there's no way to avoid that. Eventually, it'll it'll fall or the hoop gets a mind of its own sometimes and runs down the beach or like all craziness <laughs> happens so. how often do you get people that approach you like why are you doing it asking questions or anytime i'm in public anytime it doesn't matter uh they'll just walk by and comments like most of the time they're pretty positive um but there's like whoa is that magic or like <laughs> which is my favorite but my absolute favorite reaction is from kids yeah. when they just cannot look away like <laughs> adults they they want it like they, they're trained not to stare so yeah. they might like want to look and kind of uh, like peek out of the corner of their eye or you can tell like they're kind of scooting closer to try to figure out what's going on but kids will run like right up close to you <laughs> and just stand there with their mouths open like what is going on like you're, you're rearranging their brain while they're watching you so uh that's my, my favorite is like and then the, the people who are like how do you do that i'm like lots of practice that's what i always tell them <laughs> so. oh man um i think that's um that's pretty i know because as a child that would have pretty much amazed me as well even like the art of juggling like I yeah, can't. Yeah. I even I have trouble with having like two objects in my hand at once and trying to flip around <laughs> yeah, that the way. Same way. If there's not a hoop around me, I'm like the most awkward person in the world. <laughs> there's a I forgot her name. Um, she's an Instagram. She's on Instagram and she usually wears um, roller skates. Oh yeah. And yeah. she does like maybe 
15 hula hoops at once. Um, are you thinking about Marawa the Amazing? I think so. She does like roller skates with high heels. Yes. 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 I love her. I follow her. Like she is one of my idols. Like she's so like awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then this is, that freaks, that freaks me out. Like how do you do, like it's just the way the, it just always amazes me how the brain works mm-hmm. and how you can do um, multiple things at once. And because as a as an adult, when you do watch certain things, you're you're waiting for that moment where like they're gonna they're gonna mess up. Yeah, <laughs> I know some people are watching for that moment, but that's that's fine. I mean, if they're entertained by it, then yeah. whatever. But for me, I'm just like it just it just automatically says, I can't do that. Like, but it's just people like you that say, "Have you tried?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, I've I've tried, but not as." I haven't been as dedicated as I should be, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't think I can last. I've I've tried hula hooping every time I do it. Like I said, it don't last a minute. We'll uh, get so. you. We'll get you on it. So, <laughs> total disclosure though, like to make you feel any better, my first week after I got that hula hoop, even though I was hooked, mm-hmm. I don't think I kept it up for more than a minute for an entire week. Wow. So this was like obsessive practice every day, rewatching tutorials and like typing on the, the forums like what am I doing wrong <laughs> and it took me a long time to like really get it and that was almost every night after work I'd come home and do that so so what I always tell people is when they try it like just a couple times when I'm out like in a park and I put a hula hoop around them and they're like oh I can't do it and I'm like just keep trying just keep <laughs> trying and some people like that's not their thing yeah. and you know they, they don't want to feel like a beginner with it and they're like I'm cool like whatever that's fine but if it's that one person that sticks around for like a half an hour trying to get it, then I'm like, I'm always tempted to just give them a hoop or something. <laughs> like, here, take this home, practice, and then come back and you'll be a hooper by then. So. How do you, um, but how would you incorporate, which is what I was curious about, um, as far as the details, how do you incorporate this with physical fitness? Yeah, it's pretty much the only way I keep fit. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I can force myself to go to a gym, but... Uh, Really, it's what keeps me active, and everything that I do to to be active that's not hooping is probably benefiting it just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, like, if I'm doing yoga, it's probably because I really want to get to be able to do the splits <laughs> in order to do a standing foot hoop move or something. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm always thinking about. It's never like, oh, I got to, you know go to the gym and lose five pounds or whatever. It's more just like, what my, what can my body do and what do I need to supplement the hooping with in order to accomplish what it, what is possible? So, yeah, it, it motivates me because uh, it's like the accomplishment of being able to nail a move is really what I'm looking for instead of like, oh, did I burn this many calories? Which it does burn a fair amount of calories if you're really pushing yourself, but in the end, it's not that's not really the goal. Yeah. Um, and always keeping active is really good for everybody. So, so with the uh, your, uh, the classes that you teach, mm-hmm. what is it? What is what's the enriching experience that they that's incorporated with that as far as pertaining to your your clients and even yeah. yourself? Yeah, so I teach on Thursday nights. A little plug: Thursday nights at May Park Community Center, uh, seven to eight p.m. And what I really try to do there, uh, since it's a drop-in class, I don't know who's coming week to week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every week I want people to feel like they accomplish something, uh, whether it was learning a new move or just getting active. Um, yeah. 
I find that a lot of people who come to a hoop dance, uh, whether it's like a class that's geared for fitness or just like learning the moves, mm-hmm. uh, they're what I lovingly call casually athletic, which is <laughs> totally what I am. So I'm, I'm part of that group. Uh, it's people who just want to get out and do something, but maybe they don't want to, you know, have to learn the minutia of like a certain dance mm-hmm. or, you know, lift a certain amount of weights or anything but casually athletic because you just want to you know get out and try something new yeah so when they come to the class whether they've been there before or uh, they're brand new i just want them to go away feeling like they've done something like they've accomplished or they've learned something and whether they want to like go and show their friends afterwards that's up to them because <laughs> uh, everything needs a little bit refinement but uh, that, that was my goal all the time is to help them you know like go home and say i did something and feel really good about themselves you have a uh, a demeanor where you're very concerned about how people feel not just mm-hmm. about en- enjoying the moment but enjoying themselves and that's one thing that my fiance mentioned about going to the gym is that she wants to have fun doing what she's doing yeah, yeah. and there's a lot of things in there that do that's methodical and you're like it's just routine i don't yeah or i'm not really seeing any results but when you're actually enjoying it it makes it worthwhile definitely yeah and i i think the, the um the service that you're offering is that especially now where you live in a in a world where everything is day to day and everything you you have a schedule you stick to it and you are hoping to have pockets somewhere between being a parent and being a provider and and having to do other attend to other responsibilities where you just have time for yourself and and the first thing you want is to have fun yeah, yeah. and I think this is um a great opportunity for that and especially um especially kids uh, because I was just thinking about like the evolution of I guess the concept of hula hooping and jump roping, like that stuff, like the uh, what's the thing that you they used? I think they still do it. You put it around your foot. Skip it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And like stuff like that, like it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Skip it. Well, I, I wish I could find one these days because they can make <laughs> you work out like no other. And I think that's one thing people underestimate. Like they say, well, if it's not intense working like you're not lifting weights you're not doing that and they compare that saying that that's seemed like that would be more effective um but i think it was um i read that 10 minutes of jump rope is just as effective as 30 minutes of running yeah and i enjoy running so I'm like well that sucks and i but uh. <laughs> which is funny because i don't want to jump i don't like jump roping and i know with that comparison i'll probably won't enjoy it and that's funny because I, I bought a jump rope about two months ago, and I've done more of that than I have actually going to the gym and running on treadmill. <laughs> I have a membership, but yeah, you know, I, I just like that feedback, like from that jump rope. You know, you, you can tell if you mess up for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> Man, um, so what what muscles in your body? Oh, do you know? Well, you, do you feel that are being intentionally worked when you pull a hoop? Um. It really depends on the move. So just basic uh, basic hula hooping, I would say like the the core yeah. uh, from your, I don't know all the muscle names. So from your rib cage to about your like upper 
upper thighs, basically. Um, everything, like your abs and all of that, getting worked. Um, but also, while you're waist hooping, it's not just your core that's being worked. It's also, like, your balance is being tested. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your legs and your knees are really being worked um, in, a like, a low-impact kind of way. It's not quite, like, running or... Um, even jump rope if you're like jumping up and down and like you might get shin splints or something mm-hmm. things like that don't happen with hula hoop um, but if you're if you go for like an hour waist hooping then you'll definitely notice the next day like the small of your back is might be sore mm-hmm. um, but as far as like if you can use it for other places on your body you can really you know your shoulders get a workout if you're doing off body work um, things that are like up, up in the air uh, if you're manipulating it with your hands or whatever, your your whole arm is getting a workout. So you can get as crazy as you want. <laughs> yeah, I probably um, I probably pulled some weird muscles that like I never knew existed. Just trying to learn a move where it was like a duck in, where I tossed the hoop and like ducked my head in and then popped it up and like probably some crazy something or other in my shoulder and so all all sorts of places. So what's been the most difficult thing to learn? For you? Um, for me, uh, when I, in like the first year, it really was leg hooping, mm-hmm. like changing the hoop from my waist, lowering it down to my knees, because it's a completely different motion. Obviously, you're, you're using your legs basically to manipulate it. Um, but as I get more moves in my repertoire, um, I'm realizing that my most difficult thing is really discipline and training, like stretching mm-hmm. and drilling moves, like to get them perfect before I move on to something else. Yeah. Um, so that element, and I can't even believe it's been eight years, but eight years in, that's where my limitation is, like really training and everyday kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can sit and learn a move maybe in an hour or so, Uh, if I really, really want to learn, but as far as, like, pushing my skills even further, then I I know I'm running up into an obstacle there, so that's the most difficult. (laughs) If you all haven't already seen Chris in action, you're totally missing out. I told her that I can barely keep a hula hoop around my waist let alone trying to do it around my neck, my feet, my arms, uh, to be that um, gifted in a way um, where you can make your body do different things simultaneously while trying to maintain balance and consistency and skill. She's she's pretty awesome, man. So uh, check her out. Whenever you get an opportunity, she's performing all over the CSRA. So she also teaches classes once a week. So, uh, but anyway, yo, this is episode 36 of the Glory in Our Stories with the awesome Christina Berkshire. Does your, does your husband hula hoop? No, he does not. He might have done it like three or four times, <laughs> but um, he actually started... Uh, a while back, but he hasn't done it in a long time. Uh, he started contact stuff, which is another part of that flow arts uh, kind of thing, where um, it looks kind of magical, and I never really got into it, but the staff, it's just a regular kind of bow staff with um, weights at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, he could, like, roll it around his body, and, like, so it would be in one hand, and he'd roll it up his arm, 
and it would roll across his chest and to his other arm or over his shoulders. Like it's really cool, but (laughs) so hard for me to learn. Uh, But he was able to get it. He got the physics of it pretty well. Uh, He hasn't done it in a while, but I'll try to get him back and do it. (laughs) (laughs) So um, are you going to be performing at Arts and Heart? I will, yeah, yeah. Um, concerning that, I did have one question. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, and I guess this would be for people who are listening and concerned yeah. in the future and they happen to actually be a part of it, if you are performing, is that automatic access or do you have to buy a badge as well? Performers get a wristband that'll get them in for free. So I'll be sending out all the, I also work with Arts in the Heart of Augusta, so uh, I'll be sending out all of the performer wristbands. So okay. uh, they get access and... Um, Yeah, so any group that um, applies to Arts in the Heart, the performers get in free, so you don't have to buy a bench. Oh, cool. Yeah. And y'all are going to be performing in the the Augusta Commons area? Well, there's a bunch of different stages. Uh, I know that the Flow Arts group that also does Fire, they'll Mm -hmm. be performing um, Saturday night at the family stage. And then I coordinate a set for Hoopers um, and Flow Arts that isn't fire, Mm -hmm. and that'll be Sunday uh, the 16th at 3 p.m. Would you do fire? Have you done that before? I do. Uh, I haven't done it in a while. Uh, So if people listening don't really know what's going on with with fire hooping, uh, it's where you take a hula hoop and you attach wicks to the end with this... um, flexible kind of material and then you light the wicks on fire and then you spin it around and it's very cool um, and I did that for a while with the first Friday fire group mm-hmm. um, but a couple years ago I actually really got a really bad burn um, oh, wow. I kind of made me a little gun shy with fire mm-hmm. um, to where I still do it but I want it to be pretty controlled like the, the situation that I'm in mm-hmm. um, and first Friday it got really intense like it's a really long performance so I got tired and so it's just not my jam anymore but it's still pretty fun to light up every so often <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing them perform one time years ago, and um, but I, I wanted to ask you that while we talk, how do you feel about First Friday? How how has it evolved since they first started doing it over the last uh, decade? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my first time visiting Augusta when we were still figuring out if we were going to move here, mm-hmm. uh, it coincided with First Friday, yeah, which was pretty cool. Uh, and I did see the fire group and. Uh, kind of uh, got to tour around the downtown area. Um, and that was, uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law were hosting us, and that was really, like, my first glimpse. Uh, I thought it was, like, really cool, and most of the places I lived in Washington didn't really have a monthly thing like that. Yeah. Uh, and then when, I, when we ended up moving here, we were too, a little too young to enjoy it fully because it was, you know, a lot of bar action. Yeah. Uh, we would come down for, you know, the, the common kind of activities. Uh, the, I don't think that they were doing the concerts at that time. Um, then we'd, like, go to a restaurant and then go home. Mm-hmm. Um, when we turned 21, that's really when we started, like, going out a little bit later. And, um, you know, there's always a distinction of, like, first Friday was the family family time mm-hmm. and then first friday there would be like the late night first friday um but really uh, to a 22 year old like it was all the same <laughs> um so i can understand it when when families got kind of like oh there's like 
too much partying, you know. Mm. Like I saw that part of First Friday too, so I won't completely discount what they were saying. Um, though I still felt pretty safe in downtown. Like throughout the whole thing, like I had my friends and we were all hanging out, and like I still felt safe and all that. When the the shooting happened or whatever that caused like big drama with it, um, I was out that night and. It really like it didn't really affect like my enjoyment of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I I didn't know what was going on. I like I was on the other side of downtown, but um, it didn't make me feel like oh I have to move out of downtown. Like I was living in downtown at the time, and I still am. So I was like oh this this like place isn't safe anymore. And I feel like people were kind of looking for an excuse to think downtown was unsafe because they might have already mm. been thinking it. Yeah. I'm just not ready to admit it. And then, oh, you know, a shooting happened. We can't go down there anymore. Um, so I get really defensive of downtown because I'm like, it's it's fine. Like, you're, you're good. Um, like, the, the I think it was maybe a month after everything happened, I was down on the river walk for the Saturday market at 9.30 in the morning. And somebody's like, oh, I don't know about the river walk. Like, you didn't even think it's safe? And I just looked at her and I was like, it's 9.30 in the morning. You're fine. <laughs> like, if you if you know when and, like, when to kind of pack things up, if you're worried about that kind of thing, you know, pack it up earlier in the night. Don't stay out till like, 2 a.m. <laughs> um, but don't discount all of downtown just because it's, like, quote, unquote, not safe. So yeah. I like living downtown. It's fun. It's, uh, it's it's home for a lot of people that I know. Yeah. And when yeah. you when it when anything is home, no matter what happens, you're like I just like even the people that live close to the coast and that are used to hurricane season, yeah. They're like this yeah. this is this is home for us. Mm-hmm. And um and I remember hearing about that and I because I live right now I live in Thompson, and I'll tell people all the time this was the place to be on the weekends when we were in high school. Like and it had the it had the ting because there's nothing. Well, it's Thompson's coming up. I think we just got a a German or Russian bakery oh, in, yeah. in the middle of downtown. I know a couple of people who live out there. Yeah, and it that was pretty nice. And this is like it's like a small one or two block of um, historical buildings and yeah. stuff like that. But um, when that did happen. And then somebody said something else that happened. I was like, because oh, I'm from an outsider. And being somebody that visits Augusta at mm-hmm. first, I was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Because people would say, oh, let's go to First Friday. I'm like, well, last time I heard somebody got shot or something like that. And yeah, I mean, that's the message that was put out there so fast. Yeah. It was like, oh, somebody got shot. And like that's the only thing that was really being shared about First Friday at the time. So I'm glad it's coming back around, though. And to, within the time that I've been in the last year or two like it's booming like it's people it's just people are flooding the streets Mm -hmm. and actually you know and providing for uh, local businesses and helping them thrive yeah if you try to get a reservation on first friday you might as well like wait an hour (laughs) (laughs) you know just chill out for an hour come back to the restaurant and you might get a spot like it's great though i love it and i and i'm really i'm really enjoying seeing this because my life is here it's just I sleep and eventually that's going to change um, but it does it's creating that family feel and yeah, uh, especially and especially with art and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm highly appreciative of that um, another thing that I was going to ask you concerning art just out of curiosity mm-hmm. knowing that you do what you do very well 
and you have an, a certain amount of expertise to what you do. So you have this full appreciation for what you do very well. Do you sometimes think that they may be overlooked in relation to other art that's being displayed in this in the local area? I mean, I hula hoop, so I'm, yeah, I'm used to that. Like, people think, oh, she, she hula hoops. Like, what kind of crazy art is that? Uh, so I don't get offended, but yeah, definitely, like, it's kind of a, like, a silent, like, it's a sneaky kind of art, <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, like, people don't expect it. It's unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, of course, they're going to think of, like, when you say art, they'll think of, you know, symphony and galleries and... Mm. Um, even the the amazing saxophonist that plays on the streets, um, but then they'll they might take a pause and think have to think about hula hooping and you know maybe the person doing it for fitness isn't quite art, but the person you know with fire around them and like trying all sorts of crazy moves maybe that is art. So mm-hmm. I kind of like that it makes people think about it. Like if I was like if I asked them you know is this art then they have to take a pause and decide for themselves so. but I'm not offended whatever they decide <laughs> so I'll let them I'll let them think that and I'll continue on my art so. now, do you think um, as far as opportunities for artists here do you think that's that's growing and uh, recently yeah yeah I really do uh, whether it's specifically to my uh, my form of art or you know performers musicians uh, we're really on kind of an upswing in Augusta where the general public has has seen it enough and is kind of getting educated you know, to value art, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not it's being willing to pay a cover at a bar for the band that's playing or, you know, going out to a spoken word night or uh, throwing down some, some coins in somebody's street performance, little like their hat in front of them on, on the street. Uh, I think that it's growing and... One thing I've really loved about Augusta is that if you want an opportunity, you can make it happen for yourself. Yeah. Uh, like there's all these resources. Like uh, for for hooping specifically, there there's this event called World Hoop Day, mm. and um, it's it's kind of shrunk in past years, but there was a few years when like it was international. Um, there'd be events everywhere for these for these hoop dancers. And I wanted to start one in Augusta. I looked around and, you know, we had a couple people here and there, um, but nothing really organized. So I thought, I mean, I'll I'll host a spin jam in the park. And uh, 2010, we did, like, just, like, I just invited everybody that I knew. Like, I'll play music and it'll be fine. Um, And tons of people came out and I met, like, so many new people that, I never known even were interested in hooping, mm-hmm. um, and from there it kind of grew to the point where we rented out a pavilion at Pendleton King Park. Nice. Uh, we raised so much money for this uh, fundraiser for World Hoop Day. Um, they would actually like fund hoopers to build hoops and take them to third world countries. Oh, wow. So we we helped sponsor quite a few of those hoopers. I'm not from Augusta, but you know that. People who were willing to travel, yeah, um, and we kind of put money towards that. And you know, there were bands that came out and played. There was a DJ, um, and it really just came about because I was like, "What are the resources that I have?" And I saw, you know, the parks have really affordable 
uh, venue space mm-hmm. and the bands were like they just wanted tip money so you know we had a little hat out for them and um, people threw in raffle prizes and it just looked to my community and said hey like help me out and like Augusta made it happen so I love that about this town it's like you can you can kind of present your art in any, any kind of way if you can find a spot it's um and it's cool that you said that because we're realizing that there are a lot of people that are saying they're not giving me this opportunity or they're not appreciating what I do. But it, it comes off as saying, like, give me, give me, give me. Yeah. Opposed to yeah. what you're saying, which is, what do I have in front of me? How do I use it? Yeah. And, like, you literally using your resources to the best of your ability. And for you to create what you just described, like, that whole experience, and you just took what you had. And then it just multiplied, and you realize there were other people interested in what you're doing. And it seems like a lot of people at first don't aren't as vocal about something that you enjoy, but they they enjoy it just as much as you do. Yeah. But they don't say yeah. anything, or they don't express it because they don't. They probably feel that it's uh, underappreciated. Yeah, that's highly possible. Yeah. And um, but I I really enjoy it when people take what they do very well. And they make it something accessible, opposed mm-hmm. to just saying only the elite can have anything to do with this. You have to be at this level mm-hmm. in order to to participate. Yeah, my life does not work that way. <laughs> no, I, actually, my favorite people to teach are beginners. So it's like, everybody come on, and we're going to have a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I think that... Uh, like that elite kind of mentality comes when you think that there's a scarcity and when you think that there's limited resources and I don't know if it's like the same with visual artists but performers uh, there's always this like oh somebody's booking on the same night as me their competition or like they're drawing my audience away and this has happened in the performance groups that I'm a part of like even the first Friday group uh you know, it was one year that it coincided with like Border Bash or something. Like, oh no, we're not gonna get any people, and at our show because of this group. And it really didn't happen like that. It never happens like that. It's like the more things that are going on, the more people are coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as you're like sharing with your network and you're getting the word out there, just as like vocally as everyone, uh, then it's like the more the merrier. Like everything, everything kind of feeds into each other and gets this cool like I don't know how to describe it like First Friday kind of illustrates it really well where all the galleries are open Mm -hmm. um, and it's never like oh I'm only going to go to this gallery because you know I know the artist there it's like oh there's five galleries how can I make it to every single one (laughs) so people want to clone themselves all the time and (laughs) so you just can't think of it like it's a scarcity you can think of it like what I'm doing contributes to the whole and just kind of builds that energy more. Yeah. I just I wish the, many people would understand the, uh, the, the, the need for uh, diversity as far as me- mentalities and ideas mm-hmm. and different styles and options. You know, just being an option, how, how awesome that is, how, yeah. how, how much of an honor. It's like you can, 
Yes, you can go see such and such, but you can see me, you can see them, you can see everyone. This, but building that, making something bigger, yeah, and yeah. having causing Augusta to become a place where you can come to, opposed to leaving. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the major issues a lot of people that I've talked to have said I, they want this place to be a place of of exports and imports. Like you have people here that do something well, why not send them over mm, to yeah, another yeah. part of the country? Or have people who want to experience this and say, oh, why don't we go to Augusta? Yeah, get that exchange going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's one thing that I've learned a lot about Augusta is there's so many different pockets of different people, different um, arts and interests and ideas, concepts. And I never really hear about them until people like you actually step forward and say, this is what I love doing. Mm -hmm. And then you realize there are other people that enjoy it as well. And say, oh, so why don't we build a community within this community? So that people can see a different aspect of it, and I've I've really I really enjoyed that, especially here. Like this, the feel that Augusta creates, I, I really like that. And, yeah, me um, too. It's um it's a, it's a good it's a good place to live. I know some people <laughs> some people in Atlanta call it Disgusta. Ugh, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> You know that uh, Land of Thee t-shirt. I love it. I still haven't bought one. I need to, but it says, don't disgust us. <laughs> that's a jam. <laughs> uh, but as far as, what would you say was a pivotal moment in your life that that changed things for you entirely? Like it changed your perspective and your 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 demeanor, your attitude? Because I, I know when I was younger, I was very quiet. I was a huge introvert. I didn't want anything to do with anybody. Because I didn't, I just felt like I didn't fit, and because it seemed like everybody was able to do something that I couldn't, mm. um, and so I didn't see anybody that I could um, coincide with and say, "Hey, oh, I like that," and they can say, "Oh, I like that. I like what you're doing." Um, but when I got to college and I started realizing that everyone had thinks differently, but it doesn't mean that. They will discount how I feel and how I think. And I, for me, it was my college experience that changed that for me. So at one point in your life that you, you felt that, hey, this is, I'm, I'm more concerned about the overall concept of having everyone included opposed to, opposed to it just being me. Yeah, I, well, for the inclusion specifically, I mean, I feel like I've always kind of been that way. Uh, like as a kid I would hate to see somebody left out and like being shunned so I'd invite them over to our group that's kind of how I made friends with a bunch of the misfits you know because <laughs> I was one too yeah um, but as far as like really shifting my focus to look just even beyond friends and into the community um, that's a tough one I think I think hula hooping really did it yeah um, where it gave me permission to interact with strangers um, like growing up in Washington State, the biggest difference I noticed from there to here is that people talk to each other here. <laughs> <laughs> and moving from there, I didn't know how to talk to people. So even though I could really open up to my friends and my close um, loved ones and everything in public, I was like, like stone cold, silent. Might even have RBF a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
I would open up to people really slowly, but for because of the hula hoop, like that reaction that we we're talking about with people like yelling out and asking questions and stuff, I was kind of forced to come out of my shell a little bit. Um, but I still felt secure because I had that hoop around me, like physically around me, protecting me, mm-hmm. um, kind of like my my safety bubble a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's going back to. Uh, kind of coming out of my shell li- after living here. So uh, it was about six months after I started school at USC Aiken again, and I finally, like, you know, connected with a couple people. And one lady, like, looked up at me one day, and she was like, you know, when I first met you, I thought you hated me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I, like, I had no fe- re- particular feelings about you at that time. Like, I don't... We were just kind of class acquaintances. She's like, no, I thought you really hated me. Because apparently, like, my demeanor at that time was really closed off. And, like, when you tried to talk to me, I'd be like, who are you? You know, <laughs> like, kind of shying away from contact. Um, but starting that hoop and, and starting to go out in public with it, which mm-hmm. took about a year after starting, um, when I felt comfortable and I'd go out to a park, uh, that really brought me out of the shell and kind of made me think more expansively than just, you know, me, my friends, and people I love, you know, you could also, like, extend that openness to strangers. So. Yeah. That's, uh, it's funny you said that. Um, you've seen, um, I think it's the, the next Karate Kid, or the Karate, or the Karate Kid with, um, I think it's Jalen Smith, and, um, yeah. oh my goodness, what's his name? Jackie Chan. Yeah. The part where he was teaching them how to do Kung Fu by saying, put on your jacket, uh, put up the jacket, um, duck. It was like so many, catch the ball. Like, there's so many things he was teaching. It's like, what's the point? Yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it starts making sense to him. And he said, uh, Kung Fu is, uh, is, is more than uh, fighting or offense. It's about putting on a jacket. It's about taking it off. It's about how we treat people. Mm-hmm. And I never would have thought of it that way because when you think of um, kung fu, you think of fighting, you think of offense yeah. or defense. But having that, have an aspect of, of, of represent life in itself. It's not just a fighting style; it's a way of life. Yeah. And you mentioned that that's how you became a part of who you are, which was through hula hooping, okay. and. Um, was for for as far as me, I learned more about myself in my writing than I actually did, just living life, because yeah. uh, that's how yeah. closed off I was. So it was just writing, but um, being able to see that when people see what you do and they invest in it, the beautiful thing is not they're not just investing in what you do, but investing in who you are, and I think that's the most important thing. Like when it comes to your art, is that who you are is. That's the biggest aspect because you can mm-hmm. be the best in the world, but if you're a jerk, that's all <laughs> yeah, that's important. Yeah, it does nothing. No. <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, you might have a giant show, but at the end of the day, everybody just knows you as a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting for people who like physically use their bodies for art. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I like if this is backed up by actual dancers, I don't consider myself actual dancer, but uh, you're literally putting yourself on the stage and literally asking people to applaud like something that you just did. Um, Whereas when I was a visual artist, and I still dabble a little bit, but it kind of felt removed from me a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. And you can say, and I think with writing too a little bit, like I, I did, um, I wrote poetry and did open mics for a long time. Um, you can say, this is a piece, like this is a piece of me. Yeah. Uh, and that felt safe to me as, a, as an artist. Like, you know, I put it up on a wall and like it's done and it's over and I can walk away from it. Uh, of course, that's like, Every artist knows that's not true because you always want to like go back and edit or like yeah. fix it. Uh, but being in the moment with like dance, it's so nerve wracking sometimes <laughs> uh, to say like, if I move my arm this way, will they like it? Or like if I kick something, like kick my foot out, will they like that? Or like it's so hard to like. I, don't, I try not to think about it, but it is hard to put myself out there. <laughs> uh, but then it, uh, in the same vein, it's also a safe place yeah. because I know, like, I can just do this one move and it'll just blow people's minds. So there's there's still an effort to push myself in a way that I know it's, like, representing the best of my art. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of rambling on that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's it's more, like... I don't really know what I'm just going with that. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> do you find, um, I, I think I had the, do you zone out when you perform? But in like to the point where, like you said, it's, that becomes your, your home and you mm-hmm. find yourself in such a fluid motion. Like it just, you, you shut off certain things and you just zoned in to what you're doing. And I guess, for a second maybe nothing else matters not in a bad way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so kind of like going back to where performing feels like on one hand I'm putting myself out there and it's the scariest thing I've ever done versus being in my safe place it seems kind of at odds with each other Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that there's like a push and pull between the two so there's some some performances where I go into it knowing that I'm gonna improv and you know I'm gonna flow and whatever happens happens and like I give myself permission to kind of be in the safe place yeah um, where like I just do the moves that I know and that's when I can kind of zone out it's like when I'm when I'm in my comfort zone and mm-hmm. uh, I know that I'm hitting moves that the audience will like because of past experience you know. Uh, just through doing it for a few years. Um, but then there's acts that I put together purposely knowing that it's going to be like soul searching and that's where it gets terrifying and I can't zone out. Like I can't, like I've, I can see every little speck of dirt on the stage. I can like, I'll see somebody's like a little micro expression in the audience where like I'll turn around and be looking at them and say, did they like that? Like, what did they think about that? And that's usually when it's a new act. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I've done something that's really highly choreographed, uh, or if it's like really emotional. Um, there was one festival I did last year called Bloom, mm-hmm. and they want those kinds of pieces. So sometimes, you know, the performance that I do, I know like one group wants, you know, the fun, lighthearted performances, and here I can kind of get away with flow art. And but Bloom was asking for like. We want your your art. Like, what would you present if you were given no parameters? Maybe they'll put out an inspiration, like a, a theme. Like last year, it was um, awakening. Yeah. Um, 
And that one was really, really emotional and really hard. Um, so that's where I was like super high keyed up and I couldn't really zone out because I had to focus on like both the choreography and like the emotions that I was feeling. And mm-hmm. so if I'm just practicing though, um, that's when I can really zone out. That, that's when I give myself permission just to kind of let the world go away. Uh, performance is like kind of uses a different part of my brain though. <laughs> I have to key in and then practice. Um, that's when I try to get videos. I really try to get videos during practice because that's where like most of the creativity comes from. Mm. But it's such a fleeting moment that I'll, I won't remember what I did. <laughs> like, oh wait, I, I remember doing that cool move, but I can't remember like where it came from or where I was going with it. So then it's like lost. So that's why I try to do videos so I can like watch it again and remember oh, that's what I did with that transition. Or, like, I moved my foot, a, like, a couple inches that way, and it looked mm. different. So yeah, it's, it's always kind of going back and forth between the two, kind of lots of flow or really, like, highly concentrated. Yeah. And that's, I guess the duality is the uh, what makes it exciting. Yeah. It's like you... Mm. It's like knowing that you don't know. It, it's, it's weird, mm-hmm. but I'm, I know that feeling so well um but um but it's it's worth it you know it's never a point where you're like i don't want to do this it probably is at some point but overall mm-hmm. you're like i really enjoy this yeah. i really enjoy it do you get that with um with writing you get like the ones where you just zone out versus um yeah it depends on if i'm really passionate about what i'm writing about and um yeah those those are my favorites because you can actually um yeah because that is that is my safe place it always has been so as long as i can remember um so but especially when it comes to something that i'm really passionate about and i can't stop yeah it's a stream of consciousness kind of yeah yeah and yeah it's it's the most organic experience for me opposed to uh performing it um but I guess I'll go ahead and so that for the sake of time make this our your last question. All right. Um, which I always ask. I just started asking maybe a couple episodes ago because I just wanted to know exactly from you. Uh, what would you say is the the glory in your story? Hmm. I had to think about this one for a little while. I'm glad you sent <laughs> it in advance. Uh, but I I see the glory in my story being that you know it's something I share with everyone. Uh, people are welcome to always ask me questions about it and uh, sharing with beginners who want to learn or people who just are curious uh, I just love being able to share like and get people into that beginner mindset Yeah. Uh, whether it's from hula hooping or just like thinking about something new or encountering an unexpected form of art uh, that's really where the glory lies is you know, sharing it and it's funny because <laughs> typical to say like sharing is caring. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. <laughs> it is so true. Like to to be able to do something so well and just keep it for yourself, opposed to just saying, "Yo, I think obviously I see that you're interested in this. So let me let me help you, mm-hmm. so that you can actually not only enjoy it but get better. Because you probably do something that you'll want to do in the future. But I like the fact that you share." what you do thanks I really do and when I found out that you were doing classes and I was like that's so cool and 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 it also like you said you're adding on 
to the many options throughout the week mm-hmm. that Augusta has to offer as far as yeah. if you want to do this, come out at this time. If you want to get involved with that, come out over here. And you're just you're being a part of a much bigger uh, solution. And I, I, I really um, commend you on that. Thank you. And yeah. I really appreciate it. Thursday night needed something to do, so I put some hula hoops on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been out of teaching for a while, and uh, just from time constraints with work. But mm-hmm. it feels so good to be back. Like it feels right where I'm supposed to be. That's cool. That's cool. Well, um, well, Chris, I really appreciate, um, like I always tell people, you taking time out of your life for this. I know um, life can be very busy, especially nowadays when you have, we have countless responsibilities mm-hmm. and things to do, um, but it always pleases my heart to hear people that actually enjoy doing what they're doing and explaining why and what made them who they are. Because whenever you see somebody do something, you're like, okay, I wonder how long it took them to learn that. Or not only that, why do they do it? And I think that's one of the biggest questions is why. Why does somebody do something so well? And the the concentration and the, the practice and, and the dedication that it takes mm-hmm. to get to that point. I'm always intrigued by that. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely going <laughs> to tell my mom that I, I I spoke to you because she, she she's really good. And yeah, yeah, I got to see her. Yeah, yeah, like she would, yeah. And she always beat me whenever we did. <laughs> and she would go, she would, when she was younger, she used to, um, she taught herself, taught herself gymnastics and stuff. So she was able to do it around her neck and around her body. Very and cool. so to see that, I was like, man, that's, that's cool. Bring her out to a class. Come on up. She's, uh, <laughs> she'll probably th- school us, but. <laughs> I think she'll come because she's retired now. Yeah. So she would love to. And matter of fact, I would tell her. And I think she will. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, thank you all for listening. Again, this is uh, Chris uh, Berkshire on the glories, the glory in our story. This is episode 36. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Uh, And again, Chris, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, And again, this is episode 36 of the glory in our stories. Mm -hmm.